0: to setting the skein
1: i'm ben i'm doug i'm tristan
2: i'm elijah
0: wow i am absolutely shocked we are all here
1: yeah but what's in... the name
3: of the show oh wait we already did that i'm sorry i genuinely just forgot the order of the show and Dog. how it goes it's
1: called
0: setting the Scheme. if anyone is interested it'll... yes well, i said that what, that was the first thing i said
3: yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I just, I, I had a moment, you know, I'm just sitting here <sighs> and guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been just a little scatterbrained recently because I'm thinking to myself, you know, just what the heck is happening with Lake <laughs> Um, Yeah.
1: That's, I mean, does that's anybody really, really know the answer what to that I'm just question? thinking
3: about? Is well, what I, is I happening with Lake Meade. Yeah. I've Actually, been lying awake at night
1: worrying about Lake Meade. Yes. Mead. Tristan,
3: Tristan, tell us, what the actual heck is happening with Lake Mead?
1: Well, uh Lake Mead is actually um it, it's drying up and it's actually uh 23% of its original size. Um Lake Mead that's is less than 100%.
3: Lake. That's less that's less than 100%. Uh,
1: yeah, it is. That's a really good point, Doug. And uh, Lake Mead is a man-made lake put in the middle of a desert by some men. Um and, you know, Heck, when you put a body of water in the middle of the desert, uh, things gonna dry up. You know what I mean? Exactly. So deserts Tristan, aren't made for that. Tristan, deserts why made didn't for you dirt. tell us
2: these things earlier? Tristan, why didn't you tell us these things before we started recording? Look, I, so I tried Doug to tell and you guys. Elijah
0: have been burning the midnight oil, trying to figure out what on earth is happening with like me. we've actually the changed, changed our this whole chat. time.
3: We've Listen, actually changed Kristen, our group I chat never been more from I- from a group chat focused on the events of Viter Media and also politics, movies, the world in general, um, and we have solely focused it on lake made like we actually started a second podcast called what the heck is happening with lake made which you can listen to the first episode of right now right on, now
1: folks and I'm but fire. not on
3: spotify and not on apple music here, here, and not a- on google play you have to go specifically to an abandoned warehouse on the corner of lake made and that is where you can hear our podcast the corner what the heck it's is round happening?
1: doug the lake is round
3: it still has corners, Tristan. They're just very, very that, curved. That's against
1: what round means. It doesn't, you can't do that.
3: Oh, so this week we're talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a film released in 1975, uh, directed by <clears throat> uh, Milos Foreman, starring Jack Nicholson, Louise, F- Louise Fletcher, William Redfield, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Brad Dorif, uh, Danny DeVito, a lot of other folks, honestly. This is a big ensemble movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was produced by Michael Douglas. And has won. I do believe this is actually the most winningest, um,
1: uh, oh, film that it.
3: we've. It, that's a real word. That's most a real winningest. Word. Most. Winningest. I'm being. I'm being dead serious. That's a real thing. Yeah, Look I'm, it okay. up, Trip. Look it up, Ben. I most mean, winningest. you're using
0: two superlatives there, which uh, Elijah. Look, I know. Um, English teacher in the group will thank
3: tell you, you. I dude. know it doesn't. It doesn't make. It doesn't make literary or grammatical sense, but it's a real
1: thing. Look yeah. it up. And 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 majority rules, my friend. So,
3: but I do believe this is our most winningest uh, film that we've ever reviewed on this podcast because this movie won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Screenplay adapted from other material at the Academy Awards in 1976.
1: Best ever. So. It's right just on. the best. Point blank, it's the best.
3: I, I didn't say that. I just said it won a lot of awards. Um, Ratings-wise, this movie has an 8.7 out of 10 on MDBA, wow. a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 84% on Metacritic, and a, 94, a 92% on The Google. Uh, it is two hours and 13 minutes long, and it does feel like two hours and 13 minutes long. Yeah, and money-wise... I mean, yeah, uh, and this movie was made on a budget of $3 million. I'm so sorry that I just dropped my phone and grossed $109 million.
0: Yeah, uh, Jack Nicholson actually made a very good deal when he signed on to this movie, uh, signing on for a percentage of the profits instead of a flat rate. Uh, You know... It's a good call on his part. Well, you know, I might say it earlier. Uh, I guess how this movie fared on Common Sense Media. Oh, how did it fare? Five stars out of five.
3: There we go. Common Sense Media continues to make little That's to no sense. That's common sense right there. Um, uh, I will say though Jack Nicholson's um, deal on this movie was a really good deal but I still think the best movie deal I've ever heard for one actor is Alec Guinness's movie deal for Star Wars mm-hmm. um, because he got paid a percentage of the royalties in perpetuity and he made it so that even after he died his estate would continue to get royalties in perpetuity. Like the Guinness estate is still collecting money off of star Wars. Nice. Which is, I I think I read
0: that Jack Nicholson signed on for 5% of the profits. I I hope to do that one
1: day.
3: I think, uh, I think the stars of Pulp Fiction did a similar deal where they all took like huge budget or huge profit or uh, pay cuts, but they all got 1% of the movies profits um so yeah to all the starving artists out there whenever you inevitably get your big movie break see if you can wager uh see if you can wager your contract to be for the prop for a percentage of the profits
0: yeah well that's a bit of a risk Uh, no it's a
3: huge risk like
0: talk just do it's a huge risk just do it We'll get gonna stop Get you. a second opinion on if the movie will no. actually
3: be successful. But like, no. but, like, let's be real, this is setting the scheme, not setting the checkbook. So, Fair.
0: I mean, That's you right. do. You. I'd say we're, we're not qualified to give a financial and, advice. And you know that. what? I'll tell you, you
1: know what? Th- 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 throw, throw a little bit of money that, uh, that money our way, okay? Just throw a little I want, bit.
3: I'm gonna tell way. you all this. I'm gonna tell you all this real quick when we do these little zoom calls here. When we record this podcast, mm-hmm. I look directly to my left and I see Elijah walls, screen. And every time that I make Elijah walls laugh, it, it literally it. makes my entire week. I don't, I don't think I can just,
1: it, ma- it makes you zoom.
3: I don't think I can just articulate just how great it feels to make Elijah walls laugh. Like the amount of just sheer dopamine that I get from seeing sure. this bearded man laugh is incredible.
1: Understandable. Ben, on the other hand, it, yeah, laughs all the time. It's true, I do. Ben can't stop laughing.
3: Really just lights my fire if you get my drift. Yeah, so just though.
1: like the Doris once did, you know?
0: Uh, so have uh, uh, any of you guys seen this movie before?
3: Tristan has. Saw it with his dad. The year yeah. was 1978, <laughs> and there Tristan Webb was sitting was with his lad. father. He was a wee lad. He sat on his uh, father's uh, uh, living right room rug, oh. um, and he just he sat there, and he didn't actually watch the movie so much as his father performed the entire film from memory. Uh, it was at, You You may not know this, friends, but Tristan's dad actually is Jack Nicholson. Wow. Um, that explains yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah. And 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 old Daddy Jack just called over all of his buddies. Oh, okay. I need, um,
1: you're not gonna call him Daddy Jack. That's not and they just that's not cool. They just performed no, the Daddy, whole Daddy Jackie movie. Nick. Yeah, that's more appropriate. Um, Thank you, Ben. <laughs> and uh
3: and and they just performed this whole film right in front of Tristan. They actually called the uh the composer of the film, and he actually brought a full 70-piece orchestra. Wow. Yeah, he, he would um, and, have, they
1: would have Milos Foreman there.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. directing and Michael it. Douglas he was, was there that. too. Michael Douglas was there and he <laughs> Michael, cooked dinner.
0: Since, Michael, since Kirk since Douglas he, was there
3: too. He produced the film. Since he produced the film, he also uh produced refreshments for young Tristan to enjoy while the uh live action Uh, remake of this film was created in In his dad's living room.
1: I I, I recall the entire Douglas family being there, Uh, not just Michael Douglas, everyone, Susan Douglas, all the Douglases, Margaret Douglas
3: and margaret thatcher was there too which is crazy it sounds like a
0: a very interesting
1: jenny douglas i don't i don't
3: really i don't really know why margaret thatcher was there but she was oh you bet your bun she was Bet your bottom dollar Hmm. and the author of
2: the book was there refusing to pay attention to anything that was going on
3: because (laughs) actually it actually was a play um as i someone asked me okay sorry getting away from the bit somebody asked I me thought. my favorite somebody asked me my favorite book a few weeks ago and i gave them the answer which is polar bears which is a play that i adore and they said is that a play and i said yeah it's a play and they said plays don't count as books i said you can go die in a hole ah, and
1: like then they went do.
3: and died in a hole wow, wow i
1: really did it huh
3: yeah mm-hmm. they they really took direction well that's
1: mm-hmm. good good yeah. well they they may be good in polar bear they take direction well i mean it, maybe it could be in the play yeah but they're dead now so i guess they really can't well oh well
3: so tristan what was it like seeing this film recreated in your father's <laughs> uh living room well you
1: know back in the day um back in I 1978 was, of course, i was right. just a, i was a wee lad of uh probably 11 or 10 yeah and 23 uh, something like that yes yeah. <laughs> somewhere between that range of 10 or 11 years. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I don't remember it very well. I remember key scenes. Uh, I was a child watching this film. Um, uh, folks, I'm sorry. Spoiler, okay. Probably isn't a movie you should watch as a child. You, you should, yeah, right. You should watch. It's rated R. If, <laughs> it's for sure rated R. Yeah. Um, like It's not like the worst movie out there. Like, as far as rated R goes, but it's rated R solidly, you know. Anyway, all I remember is the key scenes, and I would see something about to happen, and I'm like, I think this is about to happen, and then it did. So, um, indeed, it it affirmed that I'd seen this movie before. But look, my dad showed me some movies back in the day. I don't know what was going on, why he picked some of these movies we watched, but I did. I'm doing fine, I think. He, he just wanted to culture you. I don't know the boys can judge but I think I'm okay today uh so I
2: watched movies with torture scenes and I turned out all right that's Tristan
0: (laughs) yeah so uh Elijah Doug did y'all I mean obviously the three of us hadn't seen it but Doug I know I assume you're at least familiar with the play what what did y'all expect coming into this so actually I'll let
3: Elijah go first
2: Um, I saw the trailer, I watched the trailer before we watched this, uh, to get an idea for what it would be. Um, and I think I was afraid that it would be something like, um, either for lack of a better term, making fun of people who've been institutionalized or just kind of making a spectacle of them to an extent that feels icky. Mm-hmm. but I didn't really get that out of this movie. Um, the only other thing that I can say is uh, I actually realized part of the way in. I kept trying to figure out why uh, the character chief looked so familiar. And it's because I've actually seen part of this movie. I think I caught it on TV one time and I saw just the middle section. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I realized this during the scene when he, uh, when Jack Nicholson's character hands him the, uh, the gum and he starts talking i've seen that scene before um maybe more than once so that was really familiar to me and i was like oh have i seen this whole movie i hadn't and uh, i i didn't really know what i was getting into um i guess i would say i was pleasantly surprised based on what i thought it might be um but i i didn't love this movie either i liked it okay <laughs> go ahead and yeah,
0: yeah. um, so i'll interrupt before duck can go uh i kind of had a similar feeling uh, i didn't really know what to expect i knew it was a play and i knew that it was like a very well-regarded movie uh so i expected something that was a little slower paced just because that's how movies were uh in the 70s and before uh, before you got like the really big action films that go a mile a minute um in no marvel characters slinging spells and right, lasers right um but i would say i'm kind of uh about in the same place like i liked it okay but i didn't like love it like it's not going to be in like a top 10 list or anything yeah yeah oh i'll just hop on this
3: little bandwagon uh the one hour mark i was kind of thinking to myself hmm i don't know that we're gonna get through this doug yeah
0: that also that
3: i don't know i don't know where i'll make it through this one buddy um why why it, was just, real it slow. was just slow. It was just so slow. I kind of oh, felt Lord, that it was too. so slow.
2: It lost my interest a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, then something would happen to draw me back in. But I right. think that's an indication that if this movie had been made today, some of those scenes probably would have been deleted.
3: Yeah, right. I think. I, I think, think you could do the this with big one forty five. One hundred percent, you could. I think the big part that like got me back in was when they had that whole. Um, when Jack Nicholson discovers that uh he's like one of five people who were actually committed. Um and everyone else is just uh uh just chose they're, they're volunteers they're, they're there voluntarily. Thank you. I can't think of the word. Um yeah I think I think at that point I was like okay we'll we'll be fine. Um and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what really won me over is just the look on Nurse Ratchet's face. I was like, yeah, yeah, I dig that. Because coming into this movie, I had heard that Nurse Ratchet is one of the great film villains. Like she's mm-hmm. one of the great uh movie antagonists. And I I was very intrigued by that. I knew they they came out with a spin off series like a couple of years ago that's just it just made it one season. I think it performed horribly. Um But, you know, they painted her as like, they painted her as like this horrific, just vile person. And granted, I also had not seen the show, but I was, I was just thinking to myself, okay, well, she's about to be like mean, like, like Warden Norton from Shawshank Redemption mean. Like, that's what I was picturing. She's not that. She's not that. It's purely like a test of wills between her and Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. And she is a villain. Don't get me wrong. She's 100% a villain. Um, But it's just not that. And I think that scene where she just, like the look that she has on her face as Jack Nicholson realizes that most everyone else there is voluntary. And he's gone to such work to make himself be committed Mm -hmm. um yeah just the way that she is just chewing up that scene uh i i was i was saying to myself okay yeah we're here we're here let's do it yeah i feel that
0: so for me it was like the last like third of the movie that really got me yeah
3: very
0: interested in the
3: film um I do think I do think that this movie kind of brings up a good question, though, because uh, I was sitting there and oddly enough, I was thinking of uh, a movie that we haven't done on the podcast, but I feel like I've talked about it a lot. And that is Dead Poet Society. Um, if you haven't seen Dead Poet Society, highly recommend it. Um, it uh, jumpstarted my first uh, bout with depression, but that's not to take anything away from the movie. It's a pho- it's a phenomenal film. I think Robin Williams best film um but um but that's a movie that you know I can't watch that movie and come out with like a smile on my face because it just it rips me apart inside just emotionally and I was sitting here watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and I was thinking you know You know, I don't think this is a movie that I'm ever going to watch again. But what is it that would make me more likely to watch a movie like Dead Poet Society? A movie that I know just causes me such grief and such just sadness, just bitter sadness. And I would still be more willing to watch that than this movie, which is also depressing, but also has, I think, a better layer of hope than Dead Poet Society has in it.
0: Um, I mean, so, not to, so, to speak for you but yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I feel like for you Dead Poets Society has more of an emotional connection 100%, 100% and I think that absolutely plays into it because I mean like I mean I've seen Dead Poets Society and I I don't think I have as strong of an emotional attachment to it as you do but like it it hits you like mm-hmm. it hits you and it that's what draws you back into it and i think that's what draws you into any movie you want to rewatch. i mean like you can enjoy a movie and not really connect with it and be like yeah it's a good movie but i don't think i want to watch it again
3: yeah you know
0: it's it's
3: like um it's like um what is it? um the room it's like the room i watched the room and it's awful We all know it's awful. It is undisputed just how bad of a movie it is. But I watch that movie and get the biggest smile on my face um, and have the most fun just sitting there and enjoying this absolute monstrosity of cinema. So um, I I would like to turn around on my fellow podcastees and you know, what is it that, that makes you go back to a movie that you want to watch? I mean, because I think, I think we've all kind of said, you know, this isn't a movie that we want to necessarily return to, but, Mm -hmm. but what makes a, um, what makes a movie something that you want to go back to?
1: Well, I, I think you said it, it's a feeling emotion towards a film. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, most of my movies have to do with, a coming of age story, the ones that I like. And they have a lot to do with processing various types of feelings, but generally how you how you relate to other people. And I I think about that a lot in my own life. So when I see it in a movie and I can relate to that and it makes me feel emotional and think about my own life, then yeah, that's that's it. I want to see that more often. I like to feel feelings. I mean, even bad ones, people like to feel things, it's better than sitting there and feeling nothing,
0: and at the same time, like it doesn't have to be something that makes you sad. Like, I mean, I like Dead Poet Society because I connect to it emotionally, not in an emotionally positive way, but like the reason I watch Star Wars so much, despite the fact that I can quote it and I've seen all of them. Lord knows how many times because I have positive emotions attached to it. Yeah, like I mean I, it's my favorite series of movies. So yeah, I'm going to rewatch mean, I, it even the ones that I don't necessarily like.
1: I I have like 500 days of summer and interstellar um La La Land at, on my at the top for me and these are movies that are sad like they have sad things that happen in them. Eighth grade, but at the end of these movies, there's an element of hope, Ladybird, that keeps it going. And you're like, you know what? Things are gonna be okay, even though they suck. And sometimes life sucks and it hurts, but you're gonna be okay. And you know, hearing that from a person for me personally isn't always that helpful. But from a piece of art that someone created for this for what feels like the sole purpose of speaking to me is really important for me. I I relate to that in movies, music, art, of all kinds. I mean, that's... I I really get a lot of... It's really therapeutic to to see a lot of this stuff and we all need that.
0: Yeah. What about
1: you, Elijah?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I was thinking my initial response to the question is the best movies to rewatch are the ones that are really layered and that can be thematic layers or it can be just um layers of plot if the movie's complex and layered enough there's plenty of reason to watch it again because you get a better understanding of it the second time around um but i don't think that's the only good reason to re-watch a movie sometimes i rewatch a movie just because i need a good laugh and this movie's
0: hilarious yeah. <clears throat> and so i was gonna say i I'd slightly disagree on the um the only like rewatching a complex movie, but then you brought up the sometimes you just want to rewatch a movie to have a laugh because like there's some right. dumb movies out there that you just want to rewatch just because yep. you you want to laugh or something. Yep. Yeah,
1: everyone has a million different reasons
0: to watch a movie. Yeah, and to kind of get to the onus of the question that was asked, you know, like what what dictates what type of movie you want to watch? I think it's it's emotion. Like, what emotion do we want to feel? Do we want I to think, be like confirmed in what we are already feeling? Do we want that feeling of hope? Do we want to be made to laugh? Explore it. Explore it. Yeah.
3: I think also, um, talking about going into a movie that you intentionally just want to turn your brain off and watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll never forget one of the movies that has come out in recent years that I stay very angry at is Cars 3. And it's totally because I went into that theater. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hate it. i want I went oh. to that movie thinking, <laughs> I want to just watch some trash. I want to just consume a piece of trash media and then Cars three comes on screen and it's a competently made movie yeah. that is a million <clears throat> times better than the garbage that is cars two. I mean that's a very low bar. I mean it's an incredibly low like that's not even a bar,
1: but it's but it's that's still did a line well, on the film gr-
3: that's just a line on the ground that says <laughs> yeah. like
1: piece of garbage.
3: It's it's just a line on the ground that's like you can't go low on it. the
0: ground, it's under the ground.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's one of those trackers they're in uh the they're in the street right in front of stoplight so that they'll like notify the stoplight whenever a car is there. <laughs> like yeah <laughs> yeah
2: fellas <laughs> we took a really long time <laughs> to say You know, sometimes I feel like watching different kinds of
3: movies. Sometimes I feel like watching a sad movie. Sometimes I feel like watching a happy movie. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I love watching a movie that's just odd and dumb. And how could you make this?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well. (laughs) So, Power. Power in film. Let's so really watched, get into this movie.
2: We watched a movie one time called One Flew Over the
3: Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. We felt yeah, like it would been crazy that. if we did an episode about that movie. We yeah, did. We're so. in it,
1: actually. Turns out.
3: What? Oh, wow. Crazy. I so, sworn this was our redo of Cars 2. <clears throat>
1: so, Power. Specifically, there in this film, there is a tug-of-war... Uh, I, I, it comes and goes, especially towards the end, though. Um, no, between, it's there, it's there. Uh, between, between Nurse Ratchet and uh, Jack Nicholson's character, I don't remember his name,
3: I don't either. McMurphy,
2: like,
1: it's McMurphy. mcmurphy they say it it's all McMurphy,
3: the time, but I like, let's be real, it's like when you watch The Shining. Like even though his name is Jack Torrance, it's just Jack Nicholson. Yeah. It's it's Jack Nicholson. Jack. And as Jack being Jack. Um, yeah, this this movie has a very interesting uh dynamic between Jack Nicholson and Nurse Ratchet. Um and I think I think power dynamics are always something they're very interesting to look at in film because, you know, in the world, um, In the world, I think everyone inherently has access to to some form of power. Mm -hmm. The thing that dictates is that the people around you will either assist you in nurturing that power and will assist you you in in expressing and uh, displaying that power, or they will suppress it.
1: Yeah.
3: And I feel like in this movie, that's a very clear dynamic because nurse ratchet by nature being the lead physician lead nurse um yeah at this at this at this facility um she has all of the inherent power like that is it is her domain as her place but you get jack nicholson coming in here someone who someone who Understands that her power is purely circumstantial, is purely situational, and understands that on the outside he has power. Comes in here and just openly wants to
1: challenge that. You know. Well,
3: um, go ahead.
1: I, I want to say it's not. There's a there's a point in this film where before this point, Nurse Ratchet is just. A character who you can read her fairly well. She wants to order. She, there's something going on where the where the um, uh, almost called them prisoners, which they kind of are, but where the patients, you know, they're scared of her, and it's because of the um, the the way that she she holds herself. And but you don't really see the struggle between the two of them until. She starts to actually get upset for the first time and raise her voice. And I I think it's the scene where um, the guy with the glasses is asking for his cigarettes. And we've seen them argue before. And these guys have gotten arguments during during their um, talks, you know. But this is the first one where she gets upset. And we see that, you know, it escalates throughout the rest of the film. I mean, I will
3: respectfully disagree with you because I think from the moment Jack Nicholson steps on screen, you are led to assume this is a guy who knows what it is to have authority, knows what it is to have power and control yeah. of the situation, and he knows what it looks like to abuse that power and he calls nurse nurse Ratchet on it from the minute he set he sets eyes on her.
1: Sure. But he he is not struggling with her until later in the film. I, is, I will, I abiding. will still disagree with
3: you. I he think, a... I think, I think from the mat they're on screen together, it's, it's, we are led to assume like, like the switch that flips on in his head is game on. Let's. let's I mean, may,
1: maybe, maybe he's thinking that. Sure. I'll give you that, but I'm, I'm not, I'm talking about like actions. Like he, he abides by her rules. He does, he, even though he gets upset, you know, he's like grits his teeth. He gives her a look. He'll, he still takes the medicine, you know, he hides it, but like he does, he does the things that keeps her anger and her wrath at bay. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm trying I'm, to say.
3: I'm, I'm still going to disagree with you. I get what you're saying, but I am going to disagree with you.
1: So you, so you don't think he he's, he's able to do that. You think he's no. making her angry?
3: No, I. Th- he doesn't have to make her angry. I think the battle, I think the conflict is there from minute one of the runtime. And I think the conflict, that conflict is what carries us from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Everything that comes out of that, everything that comes out of this film is Jack Nicholson trying to upend this power dynamic that Nurse Ratchet is at the head of.
1: I think it's also he jack nicholson's character mcmurphy is not a good dude like he's he's done some messed up stuff Mm -hmm. and for some reason or another the powers that be have deemed him that he should be in this facility to be evaluated however that happens so
3: i mean he he kind of played the system
1: yeah and and he's clever once
3: he was arrested he he said well i'll just go there and it'll be a nice cushy place he said that like
1: several times throughout the movie too so yes. he knows that he can just get off with a lot more things than than he would if he was in jail, you know, um, because people don't expect uh, people who are in a place like that to, to do anything. They just don't necessarily have the capability to. So. But he does. And I. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's off the rails.
3: period. I, I, don't, I don't know where you're going with it either. But yeah, I mean, I I think power is a very interesting thing to look at and I think this movie is all about power. You know, how do you how do you Oh, I remember now. How do you empower people? How do you suppress power? How do you suppress authority and free will? And I think this whole movie is just an exercise
1: on that. I, I don't think it's just about that though. I mean, he... I'm not trying to like stick up and say that he's a good guy, but he is, he is helping them. Like he's trying to get them to, like he takes them on a fishing trip. And even though like it's riddled with, he just wants to sleep with a woman. Like that's what he, that's like the whole reason it seems like, but also as like a side quest, he gets them on a bus, he goes to takes them fishing. He like, he's actually laughing and enjoying the fishing trip. They're catching big fish. I mean, even though like he's a bad guy and we see that like throughout the entire film, like he's not he, he's he's fairly irredeemable, but he still is like doing like this is a it kind of paints Ratchet as the, the villain in a clever way. And that we see this guy, McMurphy, as an evil dude who like has like they say he's even raped someone, you know? Yeah, that's that's. Like doesn't get much worse than that, but then he's doing these things for the the uh, the patients to help them out. I don't feel better about McMurphy. I don't feel that he like deserves justice or something. But I but I do like what he's doing for the patients, and I think it's good all, overall that he's giving them a, a taste of freedom. You know, the, the these people who I think most of them today probably would be. They, would, they wouldn't they would be in a facility like that in, in the present year. At least a lot of the ones that he was, you know, in the circle with, that they were having conversations with, there was, there's just no need. A lot of them can function on their own. And he sees that in them. And he's trying to, you, you just have to, you have to take better care, you know, of people like this and and be patient with them and teach them things. And he understands that even though he's not a good guy, He still can see that. Whereas you have Nurse Ratchet, who I guess doesn't. And she thinks that they need to be fixed. And that's why they're there in the first place. And the way of fixing them are these obvious, these obviously these old medieval sort of torture ways where you see it, you know, the electrocuting their heads and things like this. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that they've painted a hero, such as McMurphy, who is not a hero, but he, he is their hero. And in fact, at the end of it, he's a legend. They're even talking about where is he? Is he upstairs? Is he here? You know, this is before he's he's brought in at, at the very end of the film. But these guys are like, he was awesome, and he gave us the experience that we never ever would have gotten before. You know, yes. and it, and it's just it, that's 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 what makes this movie for me, is that he brings that experience to these guys who are just basically inmates in this facility for no reason, for no good reason.
2: I vibe with that, Tristan.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't know all their stories, of course, but in general, it's clear that these guys can, can get on by themselves, you know? So that's what I think. <laughs> I suppose so.
2: Yeah, you said a lot of good things, there, I
1: mean, it it goes into I don't uh, just to skip. We can still talk about other things on the list. Just just to go into what I was going to say next, you know, they say the word crazy a lot in this movie, and they say other words that are are similar to crazy, just you know, synonyms. But um, but it's just interesting to think about what does that word mean to different people, and 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 there's a moment in the movie which is. Doug pointed out before we started, I think it's probably the heart of the film. This is when they're on the fishing boat. And um, one of them says that they're crazy or they're crazies or something like that. And McMurphy's like, you're not any crazier than anyone else out on the street. Maybe they're not on the boat. I grab but he says that to one to one of them or a group of them, you know, and that's that's exactly the point, I think. Like these are these are people who the ones, I mean, in his circle, those are the people who really shouldn't be in there for the most part, you know, like they can get on with by themselves and people are, everyone's calling them crazy. So they just think that they are, that word has a lot of power too.
2: It does. Um, my sister, Abby, who's our go-to mental health person was not available for this episode. We asked. Um, But I remember she has talked before, I've heard her talk before about how um, a a lot of people think we need to kind of retire the word crazy. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And the reason is um, it discourages people from getting help with their mental health. People, uh, as soon as the word crazy occurs to them, they think, oh, well, I'm not crazy, you know, and they freak out about that. And then they don't seek the help that they need.
0: Right. And I mean, Um, that can happen with a lot of uh, terms that have become microaggressions like that. I mean, you look at some derogatory terms that people throw around, dumb. That's a medical condition. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, Like crazy. I mean, like these are things that like, they're not just like insults that you sling at people. Like they also have like real world things. Um, And like, I think that's something that just in general people need to like be more aware of and not just throw these terms around. Cause I mean, these words have meanings, they carry weight. But I think it's important to be mindful of what you are saying to people.
1: And, and there's really no need to use a lot of these words in, right. in real life, like idiot. Like who, what are you doing? Calling someone an idiot? Like I know you may joke around sometimes, but like, like let's take a step back and think about it for a second. Like what's the point of doing that? Like wh- that's just going to make someone upset. You know, there's no point in calling someone names like that. Not only is it wrong <laughs> because that just d- diminishes people who need, you know, mental help, but also uh, it, it's, it's just rude and, you know, yeah.
0: It's not nice.
2: You're right, Tristan. Yeah. If, fellas, it's nice getting together with you guys and recording these talks where we vent and talk about what's wrong with the world and then calling it a podcast episode about a movie and putting it out there for the world to hear. That's real nice.
1: I mean, yeah, this is a movie that really highlights the, a lot of these issues that mm-hmm. we're still seeing 50 years later, you know?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean... Folks, you, you heard it here first. Saying the skein, we do not tolerate people being not nice
1: we don't tolerate jerks if we if
3: we if we (laughs) catch you if we catch you not being nice don't let us catch you we will pummel you to a pulp
0: yeah you you saw what happened to nurse ratchet as we do
3: it Mm. (laughs) yeah bunch of idiots (laughs) oh jeez there's a this has nothing to do with anything but there's an episode of south park neither did that um, (laughs) where uh, cartman starts a christian rock group and he does so by taking random love songs and just replacing the word baby and girl with god and jesus and you know people ask him you know you really love god when you're singing these songs right and he says of course i do and it's they're like hypersexual songs that he changes the words to and you know we're we're talking about be nice or we'll beat you to a pulp
2: that's
3: our version of of that's our her, version of yeah. of that that's our version of that
0: so how do you guys feel about the acting in this movie <laughs>
3: it's great um young brad dorf is a huge surprise for me if you don't know brad dorf is the actor who plays chucky the killer at all um he's had a very long and illustrious career that's just what i know him from Um, right
2: i would be remiss to point out real quick uh he also played grima in the lord of the rings that's what i know him from go ahead doug he also plays
0: chucky in this movie coincidentally enough
3: yes yes absolutely (laughs) he's actually yeah uh you have to a real really, twist. I did not see that coming. You have to really you have to, blink and you'll miss it. But he plays Chucky, the killer doll, and this movie racks up a buy count of like 38 in under five seconds. Um, but uh, but the man got nominated for best supporting actor for his work in this movie, and it's, it's just fascinating. Also, young Brad Dorf looks nothing like old Brad Dorff, he's again fascinating he was nominated for that and this was his film debut yeah oh. yeah also i, I just want to say i just want to say that this movie does kind of prove my ongoing theory that uh christopher lloyd is a real life benjamin button because he looks older in this movie than he did as doc brown which came out 10 years later in which he, he was supposed to look like an old man yeah it's wild yeah and this was also his film debut. Really? And yeah. Jack Nicholson is Jack Nicholson. There's a reason we have not referred to him as McMurphy the entire <laughs> podcast. He because quite himself. literally, he quite literally just plays Jack Nicholson. He's good at it. Good Lord. He's great at it. Better than anyone else. You, yeah. Yeah. You find me a man who can play Jack Nicholson better than Jack Nicholson. My
1: dad. <laughs> well, <laughs>
3: Well your dad is Jack Nicholson, so <laughs> I mean
1: he's a man. So, uh, I was also he is Jack logic Nicholson. is sound there if I've ever seen it. Uh I, I was mean also it. okay. Sorry, go ahead, Dad.
2: <laughs> Tristan, what you just did, that was that made my top ten <laughs> moments in the podcast right there.
1: Wow. Thanks. <laughs> Suck on that, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I was just gonna say I was also impressed. Uh with uh, Sidney Lassick, who plays Cheswick, um, I thought her yeah. performance was incredible.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, especially the
0: scene uh, where he's trying to get the cigarettes there close to the end.
3: Um, and I mean, we've we've talked about her a lot, but Louise Fletcher is <laughs> Nurse Ratchet. Is
0: she doesn't watch this movie? Huh? Because of her performance, she doesn't watch this movie. Really, really, because of her performance—is
3: that on the Wikipedia? Mm-hmm. Or the I the think IMDb it was in
0: trivia? the uh, IMDb trivia. Yep,
3: lovely. Um, yes, no, she's fantastic in this film as well. Um, uh, you know who I want to talk about though, Scatman Crothers, who plays uh, uh, who plays Turkle in this movie. Very small role, but Scatman Crothers is a Phenomenal actor who would share the screen with Jack Nicholson again, five years after this film in the shining where his character was killed by a uh, possessed Jack Nicholson. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I just, I feel for, I feel for Scatman uh because first he had this movie where he lost his job because of Jack Nicholson. And then five years later, he was hit with an ax by jack Jack nicholson
1: Nicholson.
3: yeah you know you think you think if you leave the workplace the problems will leave with you
0: but it turns out you just need to leave jack nicholson alone
3: yeah you just need to leave jack
1: nicholson (laughs) that's that's a quote if i've ever heard it
3: I mean, that's why that's why Tristan has his own apartment now because he he doesn't want. I to, had
1: to get away from him.
3: He had to get away from Jack
1: Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I did. I mean, he's you know frozen in a grass hedge maze right now. So.
3: Oh yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Me.
1: Out. That's me. That's yeah. me. Yeah.
3: Wow. So you well, haven't seen your dad since nineteen eighty? Tragic. Uh, yeah, I was a little.
1: I was a little lad back then. Yeah. With uh, my little
0: friend yeah. in my finger. All right. Ready to score the sucker? Let's do this. Yeah. All right, Doug, why don't you get us started?
3: Well, you know, I'm so happy that we finally found out what was happening with Lake Mead. Um, and that's actually gonna that's actually gonna sweeten the pot a little bit for me. Sweeten I'm gonna the give pot. this movie I'm gonna give this movie the year it came out. I'm gonna give it a 75, which is a passing grade. It's a it's a fine film. I really don't want to watch it again, but it is well-made, well-acted, well-directed. I just really don't want to watch it again. So, yeah.
2: I feel exactly the same, so I'm going to give it just button right up against a B. So put me down for
0: 79. So, For all the same reasons, uh, I was actually
1: going to give it a B and say an 80. Well, uh, I don't really want to watch this movie again but i think it's super good and uh i'm gonna give it what IMDV gives it which is an 87 uh i think that's i think you know it's a great film and, you know it doesn't strike me like <clears throat> other ones but otherwise it's pretty good
3: that was a beautiful a beautiful little exponential uh line graph uh of of what we had there
0: yeah okay uh, well after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, Bam ba uh, I didn't need to get that looked at. That uh, sounded a little broken. Um uh, <laughs> I <might> give up. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, wait, wait, uh wait, wait. let me let me try it again.
3: Bah,
1: bah, 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 bah.
0: Ah, yes, yes, perfect. Um yes. Broken. Uh, we got a final score of an 80.25. So turns out I was pretty much right. Shocker. Shocker y'all should know this by i mind. mean always right. i mean
3: that's why on his license it has Ben always right Tankersley. exactly that is literally my middle name yep it is it actually yeah. is
1: yeah
3: which is why i had my middle name change from doug to kerman fan of ben is always right tankersley gooden the second the second <laughs> My dad also changed his middle name as well from
0: Doug. You uh, <laughs> can
2: name your son
0: uh, Kerman. Kerman.
3: <laughs> Kerman, fan of Ben is always right Tankersley. The Second. Good in the second.
0: No, I, I, I can name my son Benjamin uh always right Tankersley the second. So then your son can be. So my son can be. Hold on, Kerman, <laughs> fan of
3: Ben is always right, Tankersley, the second, Gooden, the,
0: the second first. Junior. No, 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 he
3: has to be the first. Oh,
0: wait, yeah, you're right. You man, see,
3: you changed it on us, Ben. Uh, you changed it. I'm sorry.
0: Shame. <sighs> it's okay. Shame. Wow. Man, it happens. So, guys, where are we watching next week? Uh, I can find out. I've never heard of
3: this movie.
2: Well,
0: it's
3: Francis Ha. It's yeah. got... Uh, okay, because you get through the rest of the title without laughing?
0: <laughs> no. I bet, yeah, what uh, is uh, Francis Ha? Uh, I want you to know that was a great well,
1: joke. I laughed.
3: Oh, wait, 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 wait. That was a great joke. And no one acknowledged it. I laugh.
1: Look, Doug, but like 80 nine percent of my jokes flop with no, no one says a, a dang word okay so I don't want to hear it all right
0: uh, so <laughs> ha, uh, came out in 2012 uh stars Greta Gerwig Mickey Sumner Adam Driver uh, directed by Noah Baumbach uh so nice. I'm expecting a sad time
1: next week <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, you saw Squid in the Whale. I mean, with a movie? name. I mean, I have seen name. Squid in the Whale. There you go. I mean, with sad a name time. like
3: Francis. <laughs>
1: you seen uh what? You seen uh Lady Bird?
0: Yeah, and yeah. uh, I've seen uh Marriage Story. It's another Noah Baumbach. Yeah, uh, I've seen uh. But Noah have you ha Francis ha 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 ha. Yeah, uh, but uh you all out there listening be sure to watch it this week so you can listen to our episode next week and be informed that's right well that's talk a good one about man. thank you while we talk about francis ha um uh, until next week keep up with all the cool stuff we do on social media at Fighter media uh and yeah until next week i'm ben i'm doug i'm tristan i'm elijah and this has been setting the scheme you all have a wonderful week